Hi there, this is the weekend show on Midas Touch, and it's a democratic strategist who predicted the midterms. It was built for, in a different era to achieve different things, and I think that it's it did its job. And for me now, particularly given the battle that I had with the red wave over the last year or so, I, you know, my own understanding of what needs to be done now to defeat MAGA, to preserve our freedom and democracy here and around the world, to tackle the emerging challenges, that we all, I think, have to approach this in a different way. And I think that for me, I needed an organization that wasn't a 501c3, c4, which, you know, is very limiting in many ways in terms of what you can do with it and how you can speak. I needed a different way of engaging and i'm going to be doing the same work but from sort of a different place if you want to say it that way and i don't exactly know how but one of the things i want to do is i want to dive into this new media world and the world of midas touch and substack and you know post twitter and wherever we're going from a communication standpoint i i want to just dive deeper into that world and surf it a little bit and understand it um, and innovate through it with all of you. And so those are you know, my thoughts. I mean, I think the challenges facing us, I think we're, we're the last point I'll make is I think we're ending a, a long era of American politics. We had the Cold War era. I think we had this age of globalization. I think potentially a year ago when Russia invaded Ukraine, that age of globalization came to an end. And we're now at the beginning of the next era of American politics. And I think we need to focus more in the future than the past and to build a new politics around these new challenges. And so I need to do that, I think, in a different organization, different way than I was. And I'm really excited about it. Um, you know, it's hard. I mean, I built this thing. It's been around for a long time. And uh, But I'm ready for the next chapter. Simple. 30-second method reverses memory loss for good. It's so easy, you can do it from the comfort of your own home. And award. It's so interesting, isn't it, how all of the kind of news viewing is happening through YouTube now, and, and there is this shift away from legacy networks. Um, and I spend most of my time watching YouTube. You know, that's kind of where I, as well as making programs for YouTube, I spend most of my time watching it. And, you know, there is... It's it's kind of very much of the time, isn't it, that that we are giving up on some of these traditional institutions because we, it's not that we've lost their trust or they've lost our trust, but it's like there is an evolution in everything, yeah. especially media. Yeah, I, I think we're going through a really profound change in in the way that we all talk to one another, and I think that you know we've been we had the internet come in the 1990s, and then the social media age came, and I think we all have deep understanding of the limitations of social media. I think there's an urgency to move past that into whatever this next age is. I mean, I've had three teenagers and, you know, this the, the perniciousness of social media is clear. And also, obviously, for many of us who are Twitter folks, I mean, Twitter has become an uncomfortable place now for us, given Elon Musk's politics. And so I do think that there's, you know, I did an event recently with, uh, you know, Ben from Minus Touch and Joe Trippi from Resolute Square and Tara McGowan from Courier Newsroom and David Rothkopf from Deep State Radio. And I, I did this event because I wanted to help show that there is innovation happening, that we aren't just 
victims of sort of a bad media environment, but people are actually pioneering and building this next thing, I need to be more part of that, right? I mean, this is some, part of the reason I want to move to some kind of different way of engaging. And, and I think you're right, Anthony. I mean, I think we're, there's more innovation and change happening than people really understand in Washington. I mean, I can speak for kind of the typical Washington Democrat that really is unaware of, mo of what you're describing and still sees the Washington Post and MSNBC as sort of the places you go to reach people. And we know that's just not true anymore. And, and but is, is that kind of exclusive yeah. to Democrats? Because yeah. Republicans have recognized the change. Yeah, Donald Trump be, used Twitter as his communicator. Yeah, the Republicans have information superiority over us right now. There's just no yeah. question about that. And like they are, they're, despite the fact that our, our young people are much more democratic, and you would think that then our audience would have driven this change more, we are behind. I mean, they have information superiority over us. And... and Part of my job and what I've been doing is trying to help Democrats understand that we are behind in the information space, that we are in a different kind of politics now. And it goes back a long way. I mean, in the United States, I mean, one of the things I learned when I first started in Indiana in 1996 was I, I interviewed candidates and we were packed originally and we would endorse people. And in every interview I did, it was almost inevitable that it became clear that Rush Limbaugh, who at that point was reaching 20 million people a week when only 70, 60, 70 million people were voting, right? That Rush Limbaugh's name came up in every interview. He was a major presence in the, in the head of people, particularly in swing districts, right, where I was doing a lot of my work. And it became clear to me even then that what had happened pre-Fox was Republicans had expanded the understanding of what politics was. And now media was part of their politics. Today, you could argue that the single most powerful institution on the right is Fox News. I mean, it's now almost become absurd how the media has actually become their whole politics, right? And there isn't really a traditional political party anymore. The GOP is not really something that really looks like a traditional political party with an agenda and a platform and all this, right? I mean, they don't have an agenda. They don't have a platform. Well, you know, but they're, they're yeah. a media organization. They're really, media, aren't they? yeah. I mean, well, that's yeah. what they are. Yeah, they're they're become, a media movement. It's a media movement. It's become, I mean, they're not a political party in the way that we understand political parties. They're, they're something else. I mean, it's, I usually, I've been using this uh, analogy of them being it's the Wizard of Oz, right? And, and that, you know, 10 days ago, the, the curtain started getting pulled back on, on Fox and you know, look, I was a regular guest on Fox for 17 years. I, I did thousands of appearances on all the shows. I was uh, the Demo one of the Democrats that they could tolerate. And I did it for free. And I did it in part because I wanted to learn about them and their world to make me better at what I do. And But I also wanted to be an ambassador, right, from the Democrats to Fox to show that we're not all crazy and everything else. But the Fox changed. I mean, when... when um, when Roger Ailes was pushed out and died, I think that the Fox went from being sort of a conservative Republican organization to a MAGA entity and became more unhinged, and, and it's become dangerous as opposed to conservative and, and reactionary. And I think that that's a recent development, and, and I think it's eaten the entire Republican Party, basically. I mean, Tucker Carlson and Sean Hannity are more powerful than virtually any Republican politician. And With a direct line to the former president. I mean, yeah. that was now clear through these through these um, text messages that we're starting to see from 
around January 6th, you know, they were worried they were going to lose their audience if they, <laughs> if they called the election for Trump. I mean, this is... But still, despite this stuff that's come out, that messaging will never make it to Republican voters because I don't hear Democrats talking about it. You know, I, I don't hear it being weaponized by the left in the same way that similar things might be weaponized by the right. Why is it that only 4% of Americans have switched to solar with all of these no-cost solar programs going around? Well, it's not because of lack of sunlight, low credit score, huh. or the direction their roof faces. It's because <sighs> have to get smarter about this, the information space. I mean, we, we, are, we are operating. As long as we don't. Just one person. day and tell them so I was saying that my uh, we will continue to be uh, terrorized by these Republicans
and Deep State Radio, and Resident Square, there's institutes media, we need our own media organizations, the Republicans have their own media, we need our media organizations to get louder. But also there's a role for every person who's watching tonight, tonight is that I'm challenging our family to learn to become information warriors, to not be, not feel like this is somebody else's job, that to, for all of us to get up every day, being a little bit louder, not being annoying, right, you don't want to bug your friends, but you know, four million, you know, when we built the war room in 1992, it was, you know, 20, 25 people in a room crank, you know, trying to change the way that campaigns engage in the information space. That was what we tried to do. Now I think we have to think of the war room as four million people, proud patriots getting up every day, learning the issues, spreading good news through their networks, countering the darkness and the negative sentiment with more positive sentiment on our side. There's a lot we can do together to take back our discourse. And I, part of what I'm trying to do is give people permission structure and encourage them to try it out, right? We've built very muscular campaigns. We're raising tons of money in our campaigns, but we, but their side operates 24-7, 365. And we have to be less campaign-focused and more focused on the day-to-day. And I'm confident that if we really set our minds to this, right, that we can make enormous strides in the next few years. We're not powerless. But we won't make these strides unless we try. And, and so it's part of what is my, my repositioning myself, right, is becoming more of a Pied Piper about this need to, to understand the information superiority the right has and come up with a strategy to close the gap. I, I'm not convinced. I just want to play devil's advocate for a minute just because it makes this conversation more interesting. More interesting. <laughs> But I'm not convinced that that alone will work, you know, because I really feel like there is this kind of miscommunication that exists between the left and the right that no one seems to be dealing with. And that is that the stuff that the right is peddling is often not true. And there is nobody really on the left. And this should come from the executive branch, really. I mean, it's a great job for the, for the vice president or similar to actually have almost like they had a coronavirus task force to have a misinformation. The Democrats are doing nothing but are are too cowardly Ralph Nader said they are both dialing for the same dollars exclamation point to do a weekly press conference where you list all of the things that are the Republican talking points and you explain to the public, to all people, why these items are inaccurate or, or misinformation. I mean, is it possible to be that direct? I think we have to be. I mean, I, I, I think that this is part of us being behind. Is that I, I do think that there has to become soon an element as we talk in, in the McCarthy era. Right, there was this, how do you know decency, sir? 
we, we really have to start challenging Republicans in face-to-face settings to be like, you got to be kidding me. you got to stop telling this horseshit, right? You can't continue to lie to the American people. I mean, what, what happened in North Carolina, Ohio, was another, I mean, to my view, what, I'm, what I think is happening right now is that the way I describe this is that their entire politics is about maintaining this set of fictions about the Democrats in the country and Joe Biden. That then drives their response, right? We're right on the left, we're dangerous, we're dead country. All these stories then then feed into their, into their politics. And they need that radical left dangerous story to be there as the organizing principle for their politics. And the problem is, none of that is true, to your point. It's not true. We're not a left party, we're not Antifa, we're, Joe Biden's going to be the president, the country's far better off. I mean, all these things. And so what's happening is, is that their desperation in maintaining this false narrative, I think, is growing. They're becoming more desperate as it becomes clearer and clearer that it's not true. And then Joe Biden, in his sort of weird, normy way of just getting up every day and doing his work and, you know, not being the most powerful communicator in the world, is, you know, is starting to blow them up. And so now we're getting, like, the wild insanity around East Palestine, we're getting the death ceiling thing, which is just completely out there. And I think that what we're, I think what we're seeing is the curtain is being pulled. I think that they have nothing. They have, you know, they have nothing every day. The, the effort is required to maintain this sort of false narrative about us is the, the machine that's generating. is getting more and more desperate, more and more money. And I think we should look at them as, you know, I think we're on the verge of something where, to your point, we have to start pounding them for doing this as opposed to being a traditional political party that's trying to make the country better. And that this is an ongoing betrayal of a democracy. I mean, a democracy can only be successful if people have accurate information and can make intelligent choices. When one of the two sides is spending all their day lying, everybody and just putting poison into the information space
I'm on a highway to hell. Put a dry towel in the dryer with wet clothes. Here's why. Why would you put a dry towel in the dryer with wet clothes? And why would you ditch the laundry detergent that you've been using forever? Well, after watching this video, you'll want to do both. Most people don't know this, but if you put a dry towel in the dryer... Wow. I don't see my, um... My comments. I'm Ben Micellis from the Midas Touch Network. New smoking gun audio recording evidence has been released in connection with Dominion's billion-dollar defamation law. Oh, fuck. Welcome to Politico. There's a weekend show. What was that? Politics girl. There's a fucking weekend show. Trump attends new devastating deposition. That looks good. from the Midas Touch Network. Donald Trump is set to be deposed again today uh -huh. in Manhattan in connection with New York Attorney One General hour ago. Letitia James' civil fraud lawsuit against Donald Trump, the Trump uh -huh. Organization, and his adult children, which is set to go to trial October 2nd, 2023. This is the second time that Donald Trump is being deposed by the New York Attorney General's office. Donald Trump was previously deposed back in August. That was before the formal civil lawsuit was filed. That was when the special proceeding or investigation was taking place by the New York Attorney General's office. And back in August, when Donald Trump was previously deposed, despite him infamously saying before that only members of the mafia and criminals invoke their Fifth Amendment rights against self-incrimination. Donald Trump invoked his Fifth Amendment right against self-incrimination to each and every question that was asked by the New York Attorney General's office. And I'm talking about the most basic questions like, Mr. Trump, did you review the statement of financial conditions of your various properties? And then getting into the more detailed questions questions of Mr. Trump. Why was your valuation of this property this amount? Why was the appraised value this amount? And these were very basic and fundamental questions, though when Donald Trump previously invoked his Fifth Amendment right against self-incrimination to each and every one of those questions. Name? And just to remind you about what Donald Trump I did in this previous deposition back in August of 2022, taken by the New York Attorney General's office, let me play just a brief portion of that video right now. So check this out. My, uh, my son was headed off to camp, right? And he shared a really... So Mr. Trump, I take it you are, are not going to answer any questions about your preparation today with your counsel. Is that correct? I take the fifth. Should I say this? Or should I respond to that? For all of the reasons provided in my answer, 
which is incorporated herein in its entirety, I decline to answer the question. Uh, Mr. Trump, the focus of our investigation, and what we are primarily going to cover today, involves the presentation of your statements of financial condition between 2011 and the present. Uh, I take it you are generally familiar with those statements. Is that correct? There are the reasons for that in the military, which is incorporated here, and it's entirely up to change on to the Did you review any of those statements from the period 2011 to 2021 during your preparation for today's testimony? For all the reasons provided the answer, which is incorporated herein, in its entirety, I decline to answer the question. So Donald Trump invoked his Fifth Amendment right against self-incrimination, like you just saw, uh, over 400 times at that previous deposition. He invoked it to essentially each and every question that he was asked. And just to remind you what this lawsuit is about, this is a civil case, not a criminal case. That means it's seeking monetary damages and injunctive relief. It's seeking at least $250 million in monetary damages based upon Donald Trump and his adult children and the Trump Organization's fraudulent, uh, inflated valuations of their properties throughout the country, which they would fraudulently put these uh, valuations in statement of financial conditions, which they knew to be false, which they intended to misrepresent, according to the allegations of the complaint, in order to get improper benefits from lenders, insurers, and tax authorities. And it alleges a decades-long scheme by uh, Donald Trump, his adult children, and the Trump Organization. Uh, this case is set to go to trial October 2nd of 2023. Uh, Justice Arthur Ngoron, the uh, Manhattan judge who is overseeing this case, said, come hell or high water, it is etched in stone, the justice said. This case will be going to trial on October 2nd, 2023. And now, as trial nears, the New York Attorney General, um, who filed the actual lawsuit in September of 2022, following these special proceedings, is now seeking and getting the deposition of Donald Trump in Manhattan. And this will be the second time Donald Trump would be deposed in this action. And we expect that Donald Trump will once again invoke his Fifth Amendment right against self-incrimination. But if he does something different, we will, of course, uh, let you know. And just so you know, in a civil case, unlike a criminal case, when a party invokes their Fifth Amendment right against self-incrimination, um, that constitutes what's called an adverse inference. It is not an adverse inference in a criminal case. If you invoke your Fifth Amendment in a criminal case, a lawyer can't argue to the judge or argue to the jury. You see, the reason the defendant is invoking their Fifth Amendment right is because they are guilty. No, that is unconstitutional in a criminal it's case. A citizen's However, arrest, in a civil case, the New York Attorney General's office can argue to the jury and argue to the judge. And by the way, they already have argued to the judge in previous preliminary injunctive motions, and they will argue to the jury. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, when Donald Trump was deposed in this case, he was asked very specific questions and very basic questions about his statement of financial conditions. And when asked these very basic questions, he refused to answer and invoked his Fifth Amendment right against self-incrimination. 
Therefore, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, you can infer adversely against Donald Trump that the reason he's refusing to answer these questions is that if he did answer these questions, he would be admitting to the liability that we are suing him for. That is why he is concealing his answers by invoking the fifth. You can make that argument in a civil case when a civil defendant invokes their Fifth Amendment right, and that will be a potent tool that will be used by uh, the New York Attorney General's office in this civil case. And just so you know as well, and you may be saying, well, why isn't there a criminal case taking place? Well, first off, let me say this about the civil case. The civil case is a very powerful case in that not only is Donald Trump being sued for potentially billions of dollars, but the injunction being sought by New York Attorney General Letitia James would effectively put the Trump organization out of business. In any event, the Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg has stated that he is still engaged in a criminal <laughs> investigation of Donald Trump regarding his financial fraud and the fraudulent valuations. I just think Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg has enough time to watch the outcome of what takes place right now in the civil case being brought by the New York Attorney General's office. And then after there is an outcome there, which I think a jury will find the Trump organization engaged in this fraud and there's liability, then I think the Manhattan District Attorney will bring a criminal case. And also, there is a timing sequence that's very important here. Now, if Alvin Bragg were to bring uh, a criminal case now regarding this financial fraud, one of the problematic aspects of that is the criminal case would then take priority over the civil case, and then Donald Trump would probably get to argue, and he'd probably win the argument then that he can stay or stop the civil case until the criminal case gets resolved. So strategically, if the criminal case was filed first, and this is why I think Alvin Bragg did not bring that case, because he's smart, he recognizes if he brings the criminal case, it would ultimately delay the civil case um, indefinitely until the criminal case um, is ultimately uh, resolved. And so we will keep you updated on what happens in the deposition of Donald Trump, but we certainly expect him to invoke his Fifth Amendment right, which will have that adverse effect that I previously talked about. There's another important development I want to talk about, though, in the New York Attorney General's case as well. Um, and this is that the New York Attorney General <laughs> is getting additional statement of financial conditions um, by Donald Trump's uh, most recent uh, accounting firm that he hired. Donald Trump's previous accountants, Mazers, they resigned and they put out a statement saying, we, you cannot rely on our statement of financial huh. conditions or any of the work Why that not? we did because we were provided essentially incorrect information and we relied on Donald Trump. So majors uh -huh. left, they put out that statement and said, we do not vouch for Donald Trump's financials. Well, this smaller accounting firm in Texas called Whitley Penn, they stepped in um, and they were immediately subpoenaed by the New York Attorney General's office here. I'll pull up the subpoena that was issued, I think, on March, uh, on or around March 20th of 2023. And here the New York Attorney General asks some very basic, for some very basic documents of Trump's new uh, accounting firm, like just produce the statements of financial conditions, you know, produce um, 
all documents concerning Whitley Penn's retention by Trump, statement of financial conditions, all documents reviewed, used, or relied on in the preparation of statement of financial conditions. So then Whitley Penn actually objected to that um, and said, you know, based on Texas privacy laws, we can't comply with this subpoena. But New York Attorney General Letitia James was on top of it. She threatened to file a motion for sanctions, and she basically got Donald Trump and Trump's lawyers to back down and enter into a stipulation. Um, and the judge, Justice Arthur Angoron, signed it, um, which will allow Whitley Penn to comply with the subpoena. So we will be seeing um, those records as well. And the New York Attorney General's office will get those new statement of financial conditions. And I think both, you know, Whitley Penn and Trump's lawyers all recognize that Justice Arthur and Goran would have either found them in contempt eventually or sanctioned them. And so they just basically said, okay, fine, we're going to uh, uh, stipulate and agree that they could turn over the statement of financial conditions for all of the Trump entities from 40 Wall Street to 401 North Wapish Ventures all to right. Trump Plaza LLC to Trump Tower LLC to the Donald J. Trump LLC, to Trump Corporation, Trump Payroll Corporation, Trump Organization LLC. <clears throat> so that is another major development there. Remember, trial set October 2nd, 2023. And also regarding the Trump Organization, don't forget this fact, that the Trump Organization was previously convicted a few months ago on 17 felony counts for engaging uh, in tax fraud. Um, and they were found guilty by a uh, New York uh, Manhattan jury as well. Um, and so this case is moving to trial October 2nd, 2023. Donald Trump will have his uh, deposition taken again today. Yeah. We'll keep you posted on what the outcome of that is. So stay tuned. Posed again today in Manhattan in connection with New York Attorney General Letitia James. Civil fraud lawsuit against Donald Trump, the Trump Organization, and his adult children, which is set to go to trial October 2nd, 2023. This is the second time that Donald Trump is being deposed by the New York Attorney General's office. Donald Trump was previously deposed back in August. That was before the formal civil lawsuit was filed. That was when the special proceeding or investigation was taking place by the New York Attorney General's office. And back in August, when Donald Trump was previously deposed, despite him infamously saying before that only members of the mafia and criminals invoke their Fifth Amendment rights against self-incrimination, Donald Trump invoked his Fifth Amendment right against self-incrimination to each and every question that was asked by the New York Attorney General's office. And I'm talking about the most basic questions like, Mr. Trump, did you review the statement of financial conditions of your various properties? And then getting into the more detailed ah. questions of Mr. Trump, why was your valuation of this property this amount? Why was the appraised value this amount, and these were very basic and fundamental questions. Though Donald Trump previously invoked his Fifth Amendment right against self-incrimination to each and every one of those questions, and just to remind you about what Donald Trump did in this previous deposition back in August of 2022, taken by the New York Attorney General's office, let me play just a brief portion of that video right now. So, Mr. Trump, I take it you are, are not going to answer any questions about your preparation today with your counsel. Is that correct? I mean, 
and when asked these very basic questions, he refused to answer and invoked his Fifth Amendment right against self-incrimination. 440 times! element of the jury, you can infer adversely against Donald Trump that the reason he's refusing to answer these questions is that if he did answer these questions, he it would be, be incriminating to the liability that we are suing him for. That is why he is concealing his answers by invoking the fifth. You can make that argument in a civil case when a civil defendant invokes their Fifth Amendment right. Yeah, yeah. A potent tool that will be going to take him down. In this civil case. And just so you know as well, and you may be saying, well, why isn't there a criminal case in this place? Well, first of all, let me say this about the civil case. The civil case is a very powerful case in that not only is Donald Trump being sued for potentially billions of dollars, but the injunction being sought by New York Attorney General Letitia James would effectively put the Trump Organization out of business. In any event, the Manhattan District Attorney, Alvin Bragg, has stated that he is still engaged in a criminal investigation of Donald Trump regarding his financial fraud and the fraudulent valuations. I just think Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg has enough time to watch the outcome of what takes place right now in the civil case being brought by the New York Attorney General's office. And then after there is an outcome there, which I think a jury will find the Trump organization engaged in this fraud and there's liability, then I think the Manhattan District Attorney will bring a criminal case. And also, there is a timing sequence that's very important here. Now, if Alvin Bragg were to bring uh, a criminal case now regarding this financial fraud, one of the problematic aspects of that is the criminal case would then take priority over the civil case, and then Donald Trump would probably get to argue, and he'd probably win the argument then that he can stay or stop the civil case until the criminal case gets resolved. So strategically, if the criminal case was filed first, and this is why I think Alvin Bragg did not bring that case, because he's smart, he recognizes if he brings the criminal case, it would ultimately delay the civil case um, indefinitely until the criminal case um, is ultimately uh, resolved. And so we will keep you updated on what happens in the deposition of Donald Trump, but we certainly expect him to invoke his Fifth Amendment right, which will have that adverse effect that I previously talked about. There's another important development I want to talk about, though, in the New York Attorney General's case as well. Um, and this is that the New York Attorney General is getting additional statement of financial conditions um, by Donald Trump's uh, most recent uh, accounting firm that he hired. Donald Trump's previous accountants, Mazers, they resigned and they put out a statement saying, we, you cannot rely on our statement of financial conditions or any of the uh, work that we did because we were provided essentially incorrect information and we relied on Donald Trump. So Mazers left, they put out that statement and said, we do not vouch for Donald Trump's financials. 
Well, this smaller accounting firm in Texas called Whitley Penn, they stepped in um, and they were immediately subpoenaed by the New York Attorney General's office. Here, I'll pull up the subpoena that was issued, I think, on March, uh, on or around March 20th of 2023. And here, the New York Attorney General asked some very basic, some very basic documents of Trump's new uh, accounting firm, like just produce the statements of financial condition, you know, produce um, all documents concerning Whitley Penn's retention by Trump, statement of financial conditions, all documents reviewed, used, or relied on in the preparation of statement of financial conditions. So then Whitley Penn actually objected to that um, and said, you know, based on Texas privacy laws, we can't comply with this subpoena. But New York Attorney General Letitia James was on top of it. She threatened to file a motion for sanctions, and she basically got Donald Trump and Trump's lawyers to back down and enter into a stipulation, um, and the judge, Justice Arthur Angoron, signed it, um, which will allow Whitley Penn to comply with the subpoena. So we will be seeing um, those records as well, or the New York Attorney General's office will get those new statement of financial conditions. And I think both, you know, Whitley Penn and Trump's lawyers all recognize that Justice Arthur and Goran would have either found them in contempt eventually or sanctioned them. And so they just basically said, okay, fine, we're going to uh, uh, stipulate and agree that they could turn over these statements of financial conditions for all of the Trump entities from 40 Wall Street to 401 North Wapish Venture to Trump Plaza LLC to Trump Tower LLC to the Donald J. Trump LLC to Trump Corporation, Trump Payroll Corporation, Trump Organization LLC. So that is another major development there. Remember, trial set October 2nd, 2023. And also regarding the Trump Organization, don't forget this fact, that the Trump Organization was previously convicted a few months ago on 17 felony counts for engaging uh, in tax fraud. Um, and they were found guilty by a uh, New York uh, Manhattan jury as well. Um, and so this case is moving to trial fraud. October 2nd, 2023. Donald Trump will have his uh, deposition taken again today. We will keep you posted on what the outcome of that is. So stay tuned there. But big developments happening. Um, and that is a big trial to be on the lookout for. I'm Ben Marcellus from the Midas Touch Network. Click subscribe. We are on our way now to 1.5 million subscribers thanks to your awesome support. So please hit subscribe. Also check us out at patreon.com slash Midas Touch. We're not funded by outside investors. One of the ways we grow this platform is through Patreon membership. So if you can join, great. If not, don't worry. Go to patreon.com slash Midas Touch. Uh, and also, wherever you get your audio podcasts, just subscribe to the Midas Touch podcast. It's free. So it's also free to subscribe to this YouTube channel. So hit subscribe now. Thank you for watching. I'm Ben Micellis. Lock him up. Indictment season is upon us. Celebrate with the new indictment.
He should not be running free. Two years now. Diapered on invoked the fifth four hundred times. Invoked. Diapered on invoked the fifth four hundred forty times in one deposition, which is also the frequency of chaos. Lock him the f up. I wish I could light a. Fire under American ass If you know what's good for you. Be sure to be next exclusively at store.midastouch.com. and invoked his Fifth Amendment right against self-incrimination. And to answer the question. Okay. Uh, Mr. Trump, the focus of our investigation, and what we are primarily going to cover today, involves the presentation of your statements of financial condition between 2011 and the present. Uh, I take it you are generally familiar.
<clears throat> or maybe it is. Maybe it's already too late already. It says, I wish I could light a fire under the ass of America. Speak the F up, tell the Democrats to do their fucking job, read the Constitution, expel all the GOP traitors and Congress from the January 6th insurrection. Wake up, America, before it's too late. Ted Nugent calls Anheuser Busch as Dylan Mulvaney partial the epitome of cultural deprivation. God. From the TV show newsroom, I'm not a liberal, I'm a registered Republican. I only seem liberal because I believe that hurricanes are caused by intense low-pressure areas that form over warm ocean waters in the summer and early fall, and not by gay marriage. I've never heard an older woman say, I wish I would have sacrificed my youth for a man. I wish I could have, I would have dressed more conservatively. I wish I wouldn't have gotten an education, built a career before starting a family. But, you know, what I do hear them say, they wish they would have been more sexy, showed more skin, waited to have kids, built a career, got an education, had their own money, bought their own home and lived for the 
themselves instead of a man. Democrat vaginas can vote out Republican pricks. Vaginas brought you into the world, and vaginas will vote you out. <laughs> <clears throat> um, North Carolina gun store owners are reporting a 